Good evening and welcome back to Ulcerative Colitis Motherhood and Me. I'm Ulcerative Colitis Mama and this will be probably the last episode of 2021. So that being said, I'd like to use this opportunity to reflect on the past year, uh, particularly last nine months as being a podcaster, a beginning podcaster I might add, um, and all the highs and lows that have sort of um, met me along the way in 2021 and also what may be in store for 2022 and new year, new beginnings and all that jazz. So without further ado, let's get started with tonight's episode. Okay, I'm very well aware that it's been at least three weeks since I last posted a podcast episode. Um, And it was probably mostly concerning Rise Against and how like fangirly I was. (laughs) Um, But it was absolutely amazing, right? Anyway, so what has been going on with ulcerative colitis mama the last three weeks? So, yeah, um, work mainly. Work, Christmas shopping, more Christmas shopping. And then to top it all off, we're also remodeling the bathroom in the new year. So I've been having random deliveries of parts of bathroom for the last couple of days too. So it's just been like it. my home has now turned into a warehouse apparently. Um, so yeah, that's been a bit crazy. Uh, to top it all off, um, work has been a bit of a nightmare because we've had no staff due to, you know, you guessed it, COVID. Um, but you know, it, it happens and you have to kind of muddle on with it really, don't you? Um, you know, and it's, 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 I've got through the week. I've ended up doing extra hours than I first anticipated. I'm absolutely exhausted, but I'm, I'm here to tell the tale. So, um, yeah. Um, and also big G has taken himself off to the Cairngorms in Scotland this weekend. So it's just me and little G at home this weekend. So, um, it's a little bit quiet around here to say the least. Um, I do get a little bit anxious when he does go off on his travels because you know, it's well, being an overthinker, being an anxious person, I worry about everything. It doesn't help that I've just watched an episode of Bear Grylls where he's in the mountains of Scotland and telling me about the um, seriousness of avalanches and hypothermia and, I don't know, um, peat bogs and stuff. So, yeah, I'm sort of bricking it a little bit now. Um, And I always worry. I always worry when Big G goes away. Um, I guess it's natural. Um, you know, he is the love of my life and the father of my son. Um, also the breadwinner. <laughs> well, he is the breadwinner, but no, that's beside the point. No. Um, and I do feel more secure when he's here as well. Um, basically, the beginning of the week, one of my neighbours, in fact, one of my very, very close neighbours, um, literally two doors down from me, was burgled um, a couple of evenings ago. So that's left a bit of a... Uh, a concern shall we say um and i'm very very security conscious as it is so i'm even more security conscious now um things like that just never happen where i live it's i mean all, well all they do happen they just never um you never get a knock at the door by a policeman um which is quite worrying because they never come to deliver you good news do they to be fair um so yeah i got uh, i just got out the shower after work one one evening this week 
uh, to uh, a tap, you know, like a knock at the door, and they have a very distinctive knock, British police officers. Um, and yeah, this big guy, um, police officer, he was actually, well, I hope he was, he, he looked the part anyway, um, sort of said to me, oh, hello there, um, have you seen anything suspicious? So I was like, well, in the village I live, everything's pretty suspicious, to be honest, you know. Um, so I was a bit like, well, that's a bit vague, isn't it? And I said, oh, then in what sense? And, you know, he was quite guarded in what he said at first. And then he sort of said, oh, basically, um, your neighbour's been burgled. I was like, oh, great. Um, is she okay? You know, she's quite vulnerable lady. She's probably in the late 70s, early 80s, um, probably not in the best of health. And it transpires that she, um, three men entered her property and stole some items from her. They, they kind of forced entry into her home. So that's, and then made off um, in, a, in a vehicle, which is awful. It's absolutely horrendous. That poor neighbor, um, she's a lovely lady as well. Not saying that even if she wasn't, nobody deserves that, do they? That somebody's just, you know, thought they could do that and get away with it. Um, so I felt guilty then um that I didn't have CCTV footage of where she lives or that you know I didn't happen to be in the front garden or something at the time it happened or I didn't notice anything suspicious and I felt like oh you know I wish I'd, I had been but then you're like well you know you don't really you can't you nobody expects these things to happen um and as far as I'm aware, they haven't caught the perpetrators and I feel absolutely gutted for her. Um, plus the fact it has cast a bit of a shadow over our street now, which has normally been quite, you know, peaceful, except the boy races that I'm sure you guys can sometimes hear zooming past and on, on my headset when I'm trying to podcast. Um, but yeah, it's that that's kind of left a bit of a, 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 a like a mood overhanging the the area really um so you know it that that's not great in itself um of course we've got christmas approaching now christmas is always um exciting um it can also it's not always exciting for other people though um so i'm going to try and limit the amount of like you know woo, christmas stuff related um sort of content tonight because i appreciate that it's also, although it's a, a great time for families to come together and, you know, if the British government let us this year, that'd be quite nice. Um, it, it can also be incredibly lonely for some people as well. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's not great for everybody. So it's not, I'm not going to be sort of rubbing everybody in the face with it, to be honest. Um, plus the fact I find it pretty stressful and it's been more stressful this year, I think, than last year in the sense that, I don't know if it's, I don't know, Brexit. I don't know if it's these this national shortage of HGV drivers or I don't know what it is, but I've seemed to have not, like my money's not stretched so far this year. And, and I don't know if it's just because everything's gone up in price or if it's just the little G's asking for stuff that is more expensive than it was last year. I don't know. But I found it quite, ugh. And I've not enjoyed it so much this year. And I've really struggled to find things that, like, that he would like, really. Um, 
the same for Big G as well, really, because I thought, well, I'm not going to splash out loads of money. You know, we're, we're getting married next year. You know, that's that's kind of massive financial kind of commitment right there. Um, and like I said, we're getting the, the bathroom done and we're possibly getting a dog at the end of February as well. So it's like, oh, my, everything seems to be costing so much money. It's ridiculous. And it's just like, you know, oh, I can't, I keep looking on, you know, um, websites for like wedding, weddingy things. And I think, look, can I, I just need to put that to one side for now and concentrate on Christmas first, get that out the way, then get the bathroom out the way, then get, I don't know, get the, the dog sorted and settled in and whatever, and then crack on with everything else. But then it's like, you feel like, oh, well, according to the app that I have, I don't even know why I got this app. I think I got it because I had no idea where to start with the whole wedding planning thing. And now it feels like it's dictating my life because it's like, oh, you're 39% um, complete on your wedding planning. Great. That means nothing to me. That doesn't mean that anybody sorted anything out on my behalf because I've still got to sort everything out myself. Um, And it's really stupid, some of the things it says. Like, Like, I don't know. Oh, I can't even think like, oh, do a notification, you know, uh, something like a notification of your engagement. Well, been engaged nearly 10 years. So, you know, it's, we're not really going to notify our engagement. Um, and just stupid stuff like that. And it's just a lot of the stuff isn't relevant, but then you have to like upgrade the the app to be able to get rid of all the irrelevant stuff. It makes no sense whatsoever. But it's just like, oh, you should be sending out your invitations soon. I'm like, I don't even know who's bloody coming yet. Um, You know, I don't even know who I want there and who I don't particularly want there. So that's been a, like a bone of contention anyway. And then it's like, you know, I do, oh, it's just, I don't know how people do this for a living. I don't know how people get married more than once, to be honest, because this wedding planning malarkey is completely do-lally. Um, but it's on the back burner for now. Um, she says as she's booked into a bridal shop in a few weeks after Christmas. Oh God, I just I don't know. I'm still very much in that that head that my that mindset that I have not enough hours in the day to do anything. Um, one of my colleagues finished. She's kind of gone on like garden leave um, before she goes on maternity leave because obviously. Um, being like um, healthcare professional and being pregnant, you can't be um, patient facing, they call it, after a certain length of time, I think it's like 28 weeks. Um, so she's had to start working from home, which is quite a hard thing to do when you're a registered healthcare professional, but there you go. Um, so I, I love making hampers for people. Absolutely love it. I don't care how long it takes me to do it. I don't care how sort of, I love the process of it. I love getting um, things together to to put a smile on somebody's face. That that That's what I love to do. Um, so I made a little basket for her that's been sat in here, which is my home office slash warehouse slash junk room slash laundry room slash, oh, struth. It's now turning to Santa's Grotto in here as well. So, and the where I'm keeping all the Christmas food so nobody eats it before Christmas, which is a, probably a really, really stupid idea. Um, anyway, so it's been sat there and I'm trying to get the last bits 
sorted and make it all pretty and tie it all up and everything and get it all like you know nicely presented um so I've dropped that off today um so that's been quite nice that's been quite a nice warm fuzzy feeling um to do that so that's kind of like one thing crossed off my list but then it means like something else kind of slots out into its place so I've I, I've sort of mentioned on my previous podcast episodes that I've got um post-it notes all over the wall uh behind my computer I've also got a very small um whiteboard as well you know to remind me about my reminders which is ridiculous and not to mention the ones on my phone <laughs> I don't know I, I don't honestly know how I'm functioning right now because I am living for reminders and bullet points and lists and it's it's absolutely crazy um I haven't linked in with my friends for a couple of weeks so I feel like absolutely gutted about that so I need to get on that as well um it's just life just seems to just take over especially this time of year as well um where we're all pressured into entertaining getting the certain foods and getting the certain toys and gifts and decorations and you know it's it's that constant one upmanship isn't it um and excuse me and sort of seeing it all on social media and things you know that you know oh you must have this these are the must must buys and you must have this this Christmas or no Christmas will be this without this and you know and I just think oh my god no wonder people get so stressed and of course everything's up in the air with the government that you know are we gonna go back into restrictions again which I really really hope not um it's just I can't be doing with that (laughs) uh you know I I it was bad enough last year when it was literally like we had to pick a family member to spend half an hour with and that was just it wasn't fair it wasn't right um big g's dad was recovering from from cancer treatment so it just felt so cruel in a way um so hopefully this year will be different and a bit bit more relaxed a bit more normal that's what we need a bit more of normality or at least you know the appreciation of what life was like before the pandemic. Um, I'm kind of sick of hearing about the pandemic, to be honest. It's everywhere, um, you know, hence the name pandemic. No, um, you know, it's just, it's just everything. It's just the pressure. Being an NHS worker as well, it's very much in the forefront of our our working process as well. Um, so it is, it's just that trying to, to keep, sane and sort of keep keep going keep working not burning out um I was very conscious that I came very close again this year uh, and some of those episodes previously will probably reflect on that um but I'm very much trying to pull myself out of it now and I do feel better in so many so many ways that I feel a bit less stressed in that regard but at the same time I feel that I feel anxious about certain things like Big G being in Scotland, for example. Um, even though I know he'll be fine and I know he'll be having the time of his life, um, you know, doing his climbing and his adventuring and all that with his friends, it still worries me because he's not here. And, you know, I, I worry uh, little G's come back from school a couple of times this week and sort of said that, you know, and got upset saying he hasn't got any friends. Now that... That's been really hard to hear. Um, you know, little G's five, 
and he's a very um what was it my my dad sort of described he's a very uh deep character for a five-year-old he he thinks he's very much like me unfortunately in some ways um it's good because it means he's not he's he's quite um you know selfless he's very sensitive but he's he's quite deep a deep thinker for a small person and um you know the last couple of days he's been coming home saying he hasn't got any friends and that's been really really heartbreaking to be honest and it really upset me last night um we were writing his Christmas cards out for his classmates yesterday. And he, I mean, he was tired anyway. And a lot of times when he's tired, he says things and, you know, I'm not saying he's lying or, or anything like that, but he's certainly, um, he, he's certainly um, tuning into things that perhaps probably aren't as bad as he, he says they are. Um, but to hear that was, you know, and he sat there and he got really upset because he said, well, I haven't got any friends. So I sort of go, of course you have, you got so-and-so and so-and-so, no, they're friends with so-and-so now. And I appreciate, you know, children of his age, friendships are quite fickle and they're interchangeable and, and things because they're still finding their little social skills as children. Um, but it's got to a point where I'm thinking, do I, do I speak to his teacher? Do I need to, to sort of explore this or do I just need to see ride it out and see what happens but you know I for the last I don't want to be sending him to school if he's he's sort of socially isolated um and I think it's more of a case of like certain kids won't play the games he wants to play so they kind of leave him to it um because he is quite stubborn (laughs) um quite set in his ways um so I don't know if that's something to do with it as well, but it's made me feel quite on edge. Um, so there is a possibility that I'd probably be speaking to the teachers on Monday just to just to reassure myself, if if nothing else. And I'm hoping it is a case of you know that he has been playing nicely with the other kids, but it's just they've had a you know bit of bit of falling out or something, and it and it's all resolving itself. Um, yeah it, it it it's not nice to hear um you know because he is a bit he is quite a social butterfly um and he's you know and i know i'm biased but he is a very likable child um and with him being an only child as well i'm very very conscious that i don't want him to be lonely and i've made a point of him being quite outgoing and sociable so he he doesn't feel like he's lonely um so you know that's that's something that's kind of bothering me at the moment um yeah um and other than that we've got sort of like some family dynamic issues as well so um i don't know if i've mentioned but just issues with extended family members feeling that they're no longer part of the family um and it's a case of like cutting the toxic ties sometimes and just sort of doing it to keep yourself sane um so i i stayed at my my parents last weekend uh only because it was my christmas party <laughs> yeah uh, it was a very very small christmas party because half the people couldn't go or failed to turn up but um anyway it, it it was quite a good opportunity for me and my parents to have some quality time together um and you know we did we did do a lot of talking and that's one good thing about me and my my parents we 
especially now I'm an adult and that we we don't live together. Um, we're able to have these really quite deep adult conversations and it was more around my my stepsister um who for whatever reason has kind of uh alienated herself from the family um and this has been going on for the last couple of years really um probably the last four years um probably mainly the influence of her partner who none of us like um he's he's not a nice guy um he's very immature he's quite um he he obviously likes to have a bit of a drink and he's just not a pleasant person to be around um and for whatever sort of reasons there's been dynamics and it's kind of it's blown up basically and now it's more of a case of she no longer considers my my dad um as her family um and sort of throwing back all the the generosity over the years back in my parents faces and i and i struggle with that because loyalty is a very big um part of my moral compass really and i can't i can't uh imagine being ungrateful um i've always been you know even if people haven't treated me so well but if they've if they've granted me um some you know if they've they've helped me out in some way i'm always very very grateful um you know uh, even for those that haven't you know it, it's just one of those things and unfortunately you can't choose your family um and i'd like to think that it can be resolved one day but i think while she's still with this toxic partner of hers um i can't see that happening in the near future unfortunately which is it's a great shame uh, we were very close at one stage, but um, I, I do feel that there's some element of manipulation in there somewhere and there's um, possibly some um, uh, narcissistic uh, personality traits as well, which is, is never nice to hear when you're, you've been raised to be a very family-orientated person. So I'm going to leave it there because it's just just going to open a whole can of worms and it will be more than an episode's worth just discussing that, to be honest. Plus the fact she's, you know, she's not here to defend herself. So it just it doesn't want to sound like I'm having a big, ma massive slanging attack at somebody that's not here. So, yeah. So, yeah, so that's it so far anyway. That's currently what's going on in, in Ulster Colitis Mother and Me right now. Um, so, yeah, um, I did promise you that I would be reflecting on the last um, 12 months. So I will get started with doing that as well. So 2021 was marginally better than 2020, wasn't it? So um, for those who uh, follow my other social media platforms will know that unfortunately I got struck down by the the COVID, the Rona, coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, whatever you, uh, whatever you call it, wherever you're from. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. Um, it was a bit scary because I was completely asymptomatic. However, um, into the beginning of the new year, I began to show signs of a um, 
flare-up of colitis, which I had done so well to go four and a half years in remission, only to be struck down once the Rona has got hold of me. So apparently it's still quite... um, they're still quite unsure if uh, coronavirus ha- can lead to gastrointestinal problems, which in my case obviously did work. So yeah, I ended up with a flare, which was thankfully a lot milder than the original diagnosis because I was on mesalazine. Um, so having linked in with um, the IBD nurses who you know, obviously, because I'd been in remission so long, I'd forgotten about me. <laughs> they had not followed me up, which I was supposed to be followed up every 12 months, I believe. Um, and my consultant, lovely Dr. M, had gone to Pastures New. So along with that, there was sort of my records have kind of gone by the wayside. And I hadn't been transferred over to the only current gastroenterologist in my local hospital. So, yeah, that was a bit of a pain in the neck, to say the least. So um, I ended up double, you know, having to up my dose of mesalazine um, from two to four grams for the first month. Um, And the IVD nurse felt that it wouldn't work, but that was the first line of my treatment, shall we say. So um, yes, it didn't work. Um, So then we had to explore the steroid therapy. Now with the UK sort of government uh, guidelines around shielding at the time, if I'd have gone on prednisolone, which I knew I was familiar with, I'd been on before, I would have had to have shield, shielded for approximately six weeks um, until I got down to a therapeutic level of the prednisolone that I'd weaned down to about 20 milligrams, I think it was, um, which you can imagine wasn't well received by my workplace. <laughs> because they couldn't afford to lose me. Plus the fact I didn't want to shield. It was it would have been impossible to shield with a child in school. I mean, at the time schools were closed again because of the, the spike in cases. And it was just, it just wasn't feasible. So um, plus the fact it, it was a systematic um, steroid which worked on the whole body rather than just the area I needed it to. Therefore, they were more likely to have um, sort of uh, more side effects um you know the thinning of the skin the you know um issues with bone density and stomach problems and things so she the IBD nurse then said to me would you like to try budesonide um it wasn't a drug that I'd ever heard of before I think it's relatively new um I'm not sure um so I went on budesonide for eight weeks and you know, to be fair, it, it worked, touch wood, it was fine. Um, I was able to still stay in work, um, although it did get a bit quite hairy at some stages, <laughs> visiting patients where I thought, oh my God, I really need to use their toilet. Do you think I can manage? Can I, can I survive this visit without embarrassing myself? And to be fair, I was fine. Um, I had seemed to, my, I, I sort of, was able to recognize signs and symptoms a bit better this time around. And I approached it with a bit more calmness because I knew what it was. Um, so yeah, I was absolutely fine after eight weeks. I got reviewed by my consultant via telephone consultation. Um, and thankfully I'm on his books again to be seen next year. So, or spoken to over the phone next year, just for a follow up. So that went okay. 
Um, although, you know, flares, as, as well as a flare can go. Um, so yeah, that was, that was great. Not, um, so yeah, four and a half years in remission and then I got hit with that. So that was a bit of a stressful time. Um, got back into remission anyway, luckily. And then I decided to branch out. I'd, I'd consulted, um, uh, in fact, he was an old school friend of mine, um, Dan, and I was, uh, really good friends with his sister in school. And it worked out that he was a graphic designer, which I didn't, I, I don't know how I didn't know that, but I didn't. So I wanted to, um, for those who followed my social media platforms in the past will know that I used to use the same sort of black and white image of just like the top half of my face, which was a bit like moody, a little bit like ambiguous. It didn't really sort of share anything about the personality or the, the purpose of my social media platforms so I consulted him and got a lovely um logo which I absolutely adore I think it's brilliant because it's just got it's quirky it's very surfery very kind of 60s looking I love it I love the colors and I'm very very grateful for Dan um uh, and more design so if you want to give him a follow on insta please do he's fantastic um so that kind of gave me a bit more of an identity with my social media platforms then, which I absolutely loved. Um, so from that, I thought, I've done the blogging, I'm doing the Instagramming, the Facebooking, not so much, um, though I do share articles and stuff on there sometimes, which I find quite useful for um, for the, the type of topics that I discuss. Um, so I thought, hmm, I've, I'd seen a lot of people that are doing podcasting and, and I thought, could I do that? Could that be something that I could branch into? And I've never particularly liked my voice. Um, uh, I think that's like quite a normal thing. It's probably a British thing as well that you don't like the sound of your own voice. Um, which I bet you can't believe the amount that I rabbit on, on these podcast episodes, but you know what? I gave it a go. Um, it's probably a little bit shaky, a little bit, ooh, uh, mm, ah, a lot of hesitation and, and things like that. But do you know what? I've actually, I, I really love the podcasting side. Um, I feel that I'm being more honest. I feel that I'm able, I'm, I'm kind of talking to the universe in a sense. Um, and I never, never, ever expected the, the type of reception that I, that I've got from it. And for all those listeners, you know, thank you so, so much. Um, I'm well into sort of, uh, sort of over 200 listeners now and I, I can't, I can't quite believe it. <laughs> um, that I'm, you know, something, I must be doing something right. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I'm, and I'm truly, truly grateful. So thank you so, so much. Um, so, uh, you know, and I've been quite, um, raw sometimes with my podcast episodes I've been very honest. Um, I do try my hand at humor, but I'm probably not that funny. Um, I think I'm funnier than I am and I'm probably not. Um, and I've been able to sort of get a lot of stuff off my chest really, because it's almost like giving a, like a, a verbal journal, um, and just sort of putting it out there to the universe hoping that someone somewhere out there may be able to relate to even an iota of this, this, this sort of content I share. Um, 
and it, I've never looked back and I actually find it easier to podcast than to, to blog these days. I feel that it's more universal, it's uh, more accessible and um, it does kind of take longer. <clears throat> That's probably because I never know when to stop talking. <laughs> um, but I really enjoy it. Um, and, you know, and I think I've, I've shared a bit more of my personality through the podcasting process as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, I've talked about a lot of things that I probably wouldn't talk about to to people about, you know, sort of face to face and just sort of the stresses and strains of being an NHS worker in the midst of a pandemic um, about sort of how I kind of have reflected upon myself as a person and just sort of seeing about the the whole am I just a sensitive person or is there more to it am I an empath which is a a, a term that was um used across the you know um social media quite recently about people that are very outwardly giving selfless people that do absorb the emotions and energies of others and how it can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. And, you know, and, and just sort of my thoughts on that. Um, I also uh, brought in for, and, and it's, uh, I haven't done one since, um, about maternal mental health and mental health awareness um, for, you know, new and expectant mothers. And I brought in my friend, Rachel, who is probably the most earth mothery person I know. Um, and it's it so good to get her insight because we are very much very the way we've raised our children has been completely different. Um, and there's a lot of things that, you know, I kind of go, oh, really? To her. And she does the same to me. But we respect each other for it. And, you know, there has been none of this sort of kind of competitive parenting or anything between us. It's been very much okay, you do that, I do this, cool, we're still friends. And that that's that's great. Um, and, you know, I've been able to get um, more insight from her because she's been through um, her own sort of journeys in, in some respects of uh, maternal mental health and sort of the, you know, um, this almost like shaming about um, people's birth experiences and how, you know, it's, you know, there's still this taboo about um, women delivering via C-section seem to feel that they're not as, um, you know, that they've somehow failed in some way, and which is not the case at all. And um, a good thing about talking to somebody like Rachel, who's had three children now, um, is that how very different each pregnancy and each birth have been and how she's found positives in each one of them. And, um she she did have a little boy in July, um, who she actually named partly after Big J, which I I was very moved by, and I'm sure he was too. But you know he's a guy, and he you know he's very much oh very stoic. So, <laughs> um, but he was very uh, honoured, um, and and she had what she would have said would be her ideal birth how she wanted it and that was a home birth with kind of minimal not minimal intervention but 
quite hands-off, very natural birth, you know, um, as natural as it could be with not being heavily medicalized. And that was something that she always wanted. And I was so, so glad that she got that in the end. Um, and she did hit a few bumps uh, and hurdles um, because uh, her baby boy was not very well at birth, but he's absolutely fine now. And he's actually, he's a gorgeous little boy. He's very advanced. He's probably not, he's not even six months old yet, and he's like standing up and everything. He's, I don't know what she has in her breast milk, but my God, they should bottle it and sell it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so that's been amazing. And we actually got to catch up um, in September and it was so nice to see it and how um, amazing her children really are a credit to her. And it was lovely to be able to have that that one-to-one podcasting um, kind of interview in a way and sort of getting her ideas and and how things are so different, um, you know, and how, how people perceive things differently as well. Um, and maternal mental health is something that I'm very passionate about because of, of my own experience, if nothing else. Um, and that's why I'm very supportive of uh, friends and colleagues of mine that have gone on to have children um you know particularly first time mothers and just sort of being very mindful not to bombard them with in- information that they don't ask for or, or or need to know and certainly not sharing any horrific birth stories with them which was something that i experienced when i was pregnant and it was awful especially when you're already an anxious person nobody needs to know about so-and-so's friend who had to have 30 liters of blood after delivering their baby and almost died and ended up on ITU nobody needs to know that um and that's a very rare rare um sort of scenario so yeah um so you know we had the the mental the maternal mental health side of things as well um I've talked a lot about mental health this year I think that's probably that's from me mostly um, and sort of trying to talk my way out of perhaps going down that that sort of scary path again and sort of being able to recognize and go, well, okay, you need to take a step back from this now. Um, I do struggle a lot with um, things that come back sometimes. I don't know if it's other people with anxiety have this, but you'll be sort of sat there one minute and then it'll be like, oh, remember that time you did something really, really, really awful um, years ago? You remember how bad that made you feel? And it is, it just sort of comes out of nowhere. And the one thing I like recovering from like trauma and and sort of really bad um, sort of experiences is that you feel you work so hard to kind of lock them away or deal with them file them away and and although you're aware that they, they might still be there that they might still follow you around the lid is firmly shut and once or twice the lid is partially lifted open and a bit of the darkness has come out and um I found it quite a challenge on occasions where I felt quite vulnerable um, when I get vulnerable, I get paranoid. I get worried that people think negatively about me, that I'm not trying hard enough, um, particularly in work. I'm so scared that people think I'm lazy or um, that I'm not 
pulling my weight enough. So I'll go to the opposite side and I'll work more and I'll get more stressed about things that I perhaps don't need to be doing to, to ensure that people don't think negatively about me when all I should be thinking of is it's none of my business what people think about me. People are entitled to have their opinion of me, whatever it may be. I know the truth and hopefully most other people do too. Um, but at the same time, it's a constant worry, especially when you've got low self-esteem anyway. And this high functioning anxiety where you do kind of push yourself beyond what you should be because you're scared of what people think of you and think that you're not capable or things like that. So that was quite a challenging time. And I think especially in the midst of coronavirus and all the restrictions we had and all the kind of the additional responsibilities we had as a service um, was quite a challenge in itself. Another thing I discussed about, which I hadn't openly sort of discussed previously, um, mainly because I found it hard to sort of put into words on a on a blog page, although I have covered it sort of in brief, was living with um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, it's not widely known amongst a lot of people that I know um, uh, that I have this disorder, um, mainly because, again, I'm quite high functioning with a lot of the, the, I don't like saying issues. That's not a very nice word. It sounds quite derogatory. I, I hide a lot of my um, mental ill health, um, which is probably a catalyst for making it worse anyway. Um, I've had OCD um, since um, childhood, really. And I think I'd never really considered it as a disorder. I thought it was just a little quirk that I had that um, that kind of stemmed from um, possibly uh, an older cousin being particularly cruel as a child. And it's followed me through into adulthood, um, that fear of not if I don't follow through with the, the, the task, um, the compulsion, I have this fear that something's going to happen as a consequence it's like almost like it's linked in with almost like a Donnie Darko kind of thing it's like linked in somehow with the universe that it's going to turn everything on its head and it's all going to be awful and something really really bad's going to happen and it's absolutely terrifying um and it does get worse the more anxious or more stressed that I get um although I still try and hide it quite well um, I'm more open about it now um, because I think sooner or later people are going to start noticing um, my little um, compulsions. So um, and I thought, you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. It's 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 a disorder. It's like everything else. It's an illness. It's it's a, a part of who I am, and I'm never going to get rid of it. So I might as well just tell people I've got it. Um, it's nothing you know I've spent so long being ashamed of being you know inverted commas mentally ill or sensitive or um empathic or um 
weird whatever however people choose to label me um but it's me and I'm the only me there is and this is not a dress rehearsal this is life and I I'm getting so defiant about it now that I just think my OCD doesn't harm anyone the only person it could potentially harm is me and that's only because it's almost like a self like a self-punishment sometimes but at the same time it's it's one of those things that kind of keeps me in check and I don't know if that's makes sense um I don't know if anybody out there does have obsessive compulsive disorder that will understand but sometimes it's like a not a comfort but certainly it's a, a pattern of behavior it's familiar it's it's normal for you um and 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 likewise like the you know i'm a very i'm quite an insecure person i'm quite a controlling person and to a to an extent i'm not a controlling as in a manipulative person but i like to to keep my anxiety in check i like to keep things in within my control if that means being quite um controlling with things like um making sure um, little Jesus and let go of my hand when we go anywhere or just in case something bad happens or um, having to know where somebody is or having to know how something works or I have to have some level of control to keep my mind from imploding essentially. Um, and I think, again, people regard that as a, a, a weird quirk or a, a, a strange personality trait. And sometimes it can come across that I'm a little bit aloof or a little bit um, anal, shall we say? But it's just because I like to be to to have that control. Because if things are beyond my control, I can't get my head around it, and I it it makes me more anxious. Um, so it sometimes make does make me come across as a little bit irritable. Um, but again that's something I can work on, but ultimately it's never going to change. Um, I'm never going to lose that. That's part of who I am. Like the anxiety, I'm I'm always going to be anxious. I might have better means of controlling it in some senses and recognising it when it's not going so well, but I'm never not going to be anxious about something. And it, it's, it's quite funny, really, because I'm like trying to explain it to people and it's sometimes like I, I I worry when I don't have anything to worry about and that that's kind of like me to a T um so you can imagine like these last few weeks I've been quite on edge shall we say and it's not it's just things like because things are out of my control like big G's gone to Scotland although he's I know he's going to be safe and he's very highly skilled in what he does He's not gone on his own. He's with friends. They've got, you know, you know, all the technology and all the tools and all the resources they need to keep themselves safe. Because he's so, I feel like I, and I, I would never say no to him. I would never, we've always been very um, good in the sense that we've allowed, you know, he's always been able to go. I've never said no to him in that res respect, but I still get that he's, I'm out of, I can't control what happens. I can't keep him safe when he's not there, when he's not here. So 
as as stupid as that sounds um so that heightens my anxiety because then i'm worrying is he okay do i need to check in with him where is he now is he okay has he got to his hotel okay is he it and it is it's it, it it's constant and uh, it's amazing i sleep to be honest <laughs> having all these thoughts all these all, you know 24 hours a day um and things like work as well there was a bit not an incident in work but there was a bit of a communication error in work and although i felt that i'd done everything in my power to sort out that element of my job a little part of it was miscommunicated and something didn't happen and then i took i blamed myself even though you know my manager even said this isn't an exercise to to point blame as a learning exercise we'll do it like this next time but then I felt that I was still being blamed and because I have a very large guilt complex <laughs> um I feel feel guilty about literally everything um and I felt awful because it was but at the same time I felt quite pissed off because I felt like I'd done everything within my parameters of my job and it still went tits up. It didn't go tits up, it was just a very a relatively minor thing that happened. Nothing serious at all. But I still felt that am I being blamed for something? Or I felt like that, well I shouldn't be but this isn't my fault that this happened. I've done everything in my power to do that because of XYZ. And it's made me feel quite it did make me feel quite shit to be honest for the first few days but then on reflection and having discussed it with the team it was actually okay they just need to look at it in a slightly different way and that and I'm over it now um but initially I did get the whole palpitations and feeling sick feeling because I thought oh my god this this has happened because of me or it's been perceived of happening because of me Anyway, you could turn you you could tie yourself in knots, couldn't you? I do it all the time. Um, so that was that wasn't very pleasant to say the least. Um, and you know, again, the anxiety creeping in again. You're worthless. You don't know how to do your job properly. They think you're daft. You should go and look for another job because you're not you shouldn't be part of this team anymore. This is the anxiety talking and putting, feeding all that self-doubt again because my default setting is negative towards myself. It's not positive and it takes a hell of a lot of work to give myself some positive feedback. I'm very good at looking for the negative and I think that's just my default setting. Um, and it could be a cultural thing. It could be, a, you know, that we're very, um, you know, culturally um, in Britain, we are quite um, humble, but to the point that we're, we're a bit too humble on occasion and we're not, we don't praise ourselves enough. Um, because I think you regard praising yourself and saying things good about yourself can be misconstrued as, arrogance or self-indulgence and things and that's often regarded as a negative trait um whereas in other cultures it's regarded as highly positive because that means you're very self-assured and very self-confident unfortunately i'm not 
and then I get very jealous of people that are. <laughs> so, and again, jealousy is another negative feeling, isn't it? It's, you know, it's that, that envy, that wanting to be like somebody else because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm such a pushover. I'm never going to get like so-and-so because they're so self-assured and they know what they're doing or they come across as they know what they're doing. It's, so it's one of those. And I think especially in a, a, a profession such as mine where promotions are very rarely handed out, um, I, I felt like my career has dwindled a little bit in some respects that I've, I'm still very much just plateauing. Um, but on a positive note, I did undertake a postgraduate module in minor injuries in April and I completed that in the summer and I absolutely loved it. I loved the course so much. I found it so interesting so informative it's really changed my outlook in my practice um it's added a string to my bow it's given me more skills new skills it's developed ones that i probably had lurking in the back background of my mind um and it gave me a massive confidence boost that i was still of you know that i was still capable of education <laughs> um, I've been at the education game for quite some time now so to be able to work to a master's level was really quite uplifting to be honest because I didn't think I could um, so yeah and I got 64% so that's not bad is it 64 out of 100 points is not bad at all uh, for your first go so I'm really really happy with that um worked my butt off but I did it and I'm so so happy um you know so it has been a bit of a roller coaster um probably not so much of a horrible roller coaster as 2020 was but you know we, we're getting there aren't we um I had um you know I've got to go to um go on holiday this year sort of um Again, we, we stayed sort of, you know, in the UK again. We got to take Little G camping for the first time. And it was also like my first experience of camping in about six, seven years, probably about seven, to be honest, um, in our big, massive <laughs> two-bedroom tent, which I absolutely loved, to be honest. Um, we went to a lovely campsite in the heart of Snowdonia and do you know what being able to switch off from the world for a couple of days was absolutely amazing i never thought i would say that because i'm attached to my phone like this nobody's business which is probably why i account for so many anxiety related issues that i have um but there was no phone signal there and the wi-fi you can imagine was very very limited so it, being able to like just spend the entire time with my family was incredible we went canoeing we um we went hiking we you know um we actually talked to other people you know it was we made um you know we toasted marshmallows it was an amazing experience and although we had issues with the air bed because um me and big g shared a double air bed 
and the first night it was um too inflated which felt like it was we were sleeping on rocks but then the second night big g decided to try and take a bit of air out of it which resorted in me just rolling into him every every five minutes because he is obviously heavier than i am so it was it was just ridiculous like i could have slept a lot better than i did but i still absolutely loved it i got to read my book um bearing in mind it was my kindle um because um it you know because i can store loads and loads of books on it but um be able to sit in a camping chair with a, nothing but bird song um and sort of people milling about and stuff just with the light of the fire with a cider in one hand uh, it was just absolute bliss um so much so that we went camping again in september and <laughs> again i and it was like a proper like a like a caravanning site sort of thing like a like a leisure park or whatever they're called and yeah it was a bit dated it was a bit of like somewhere i probably would have gone as a kid uh with my mum and dad um in a static you know years and years ago but they were actually the best holidays of my life and um you know what little g loved it we we were by the sea sand dunes you know galore um and you know we had the weather was pretty good as well and it was just a couple of I can't remember if we stayed two nights or not. Yeah, we did stay two nights. Um, and again, just being able to read, turn off, you know, although we did have, you know, phone signal and we were able to use our phones and things, it was just nice to just get back to nature a little bit and just, you know, not so much walking to the toilet blocks in the middle of the night. Um, but, you know, it was an experience. <laughs> um you know absolutely loved it um and i can't wait to to go camping again to be honest and of course you know we got to sort of the end of the summer beginning of september and me and big g sort of turned around and booked a wedding <laughs> which i never thought would ever ever happen um and for those who actually know me and big g will probably think wow we didn't expect that one what a plot twist um so that's kind of becoming more of an exciting reality uh admittedly a stressful one because it's a lot to organize and especially when you don't particularly think you like your wedding planner at the end of the day well i'll i'll get you know i'll get what i want um <laughs> by hook or by crook and just sort of getting everything ready and i've got my two amazing bridesmaids and you know all our besties are going to be there and we're going to have a good night and we're going to enjoy it and it's going to be it's been a long time coming and i really really can't wait to be his wife um it's going to be it's going to be fantastic and we're going to just make make it one heck of a celebration so that all in all has been um my wrap wrapped up 2021 so without further ado i'm going to stop rabbiting on now what i will say is um i wish each and every one of my listeners a very very merry christmas um and a very lovely time uh, i hope to, you that you get to spend time with your families 
Um, I also hope that nobody's alone this Christmas and just remember there are people out there that will listen and there are loads and loads of useful links on my um, on my WordPress. If you do need somebody to talk to, if you just need, um, you know, just some friendly words, keep talking to each other. That's a major, major thing. Keep talking. Stop the stigma. Uh, be kind and eat and drink merry. But, you know, obviously for those, just be mindful of um, eat, not eating all too much of the bad stuff, um, as I found out, uh, you know, when I got COVID last year um, or beginning of this year. Um, just want to say a massive, humongous thank you to each and every single one of you that have listened or you know, um, sort of tuned into my any of my podcast episodes or any of my social media platforms. I am truly humbled and uh, elated because um, I didn't think this would work <laughs> at all. Um, I didn't think I had the personality for a podcast. So, you know, I hand on heart, I'm I'm truly grateful for each and every one of you. Um, and I wish you all the very, very best and great, happy, wonderful things to come in 2022. So I'm signing off. This is Ulcerative Colitis Mama signing off for 2021. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.